Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you all this morning. And I'm going to do a real quick disclaimer before I get started today. Um, I had half a dozen people come up to me in the foyer between these services and say, you forgot to give us the last sermon point. So I'm going to give you the full uh, sermon today. All right. Um, so you can pass it on. You can walk out and you'd be like, hey, I got everything. I got it all. Um, or you might just have a friend that you want to email that last sermon point to because um, I didn't get to it. Not sure what happened, but um, I'm going to give you the full sermon today. That's good news. And um, I'm not even going to make any kind of promises on time because after preaching here for almost two years, you guys know I don't pay attention to the clock very much anyway. So, um, But I'll do my very best here today. Um, transition, it brought us together about two years ago. My family was going through change at the same time that this church was going through change. And um, it's kind of amazing how when you just submit yourself to the Lord and you say, God, um, like I'm not sure what the future holds, but I'm just going to trust you with it and I'm going to ask you to lead. Um, God takes that invitation and he takes it seriously. And we went through transition together. This church family and my family went through transition together two years ago, and that transition brought us together. Now we're going through transition together again. This change puts us on separate paths. It happens sometimes in life. Uh, but we made it. We made it through um, these almost two years now, and, and uh, I mentioned this in the first service, but you probably uh, could look around the room and see some people who didn't make it through the transition. And there are reasons why we struggle with change at different times in our life. Uh, there are some people, I'm just gonna like be really candid with you guys today. There are some people who left simply because my name isn't Daryl. I could never compete with Daryl. I could never compete with him, nor did I ever try to. There are some people who left because I wear my shirt untucked probably 90% of the time. Uh, my style is different. There are some people who left because um, I'm not a part of the denomination that the church is a part of. There's all kinds of reasons why change is uncomfortable with us and why sometimes we decide that um, we're going to take that fork in the road and we're going we're gonna to head down the road. I, I just want to encourage you in something. Um, this would be a great season for you if you know somebody who in the last two years just said like, uh, I'm, just, I'm just done, I'm going to find something else. Reach out to them and invite them to come back. And you could even say something like this. I give you permission. Hey, now that Patrick's gone, it's totally okay. Listen, that's part of the role of an interim is to take some baggage with me. And so if you guys have some baggage, I'm going to be here in about uh, uh, another week or so. I'll be emptying out my office. You are welcome to just take stuff and throw it in there and I'll haul it out when I go, okay? Um, all, all joking aside, change is tough. And we all know that. But we forget it until we go through it again. And then we get, we get right in front of change again, and it's like, oh, this sucks. I remember, I remember what change is like now. Um, there is one thing that doesn't change for South Suburban, and it doesn't change for me or for my family, and that is that God has called us to be about his business. So there's something I want to talk with you about today. Last opportunity to just open up the Word of God and, and to talk about the truth that we find there. And that is this very specific call that Jesus placed 
on you. Now, here's the deal. Today, a lot of times we'll joke around in service and I'll be like, hey, turn to the person beside you and tell them something. But today, you, can't, you really can't turn to anybody. Jesus is talking to you. Okay? He climbs this hillside in Galilee. He sits down to teach. With this understanding now and in his, in his mind, this understanding that he is only going to be physically on this earth for just a few short years. And those thoughts, that understanding really starts to overwhelm him. How do I communicate to this group of people that I am going to leave? When I leave, God's still going to be here. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. But I'm not going to be here anymore. How do I get them to understand how important this is that they are my plan for this world? Now, some of you guys, that stresses you out right away. You're like, oh, crud. Like, that's a lot of responsibility on me. But Jesus, recognizing that we, his body, his people, what would later become called his church, we play the role now he passes the mantle onto us. And I want to talk about that today because Jesus, trying to, trying to un- help us understand how significant this role is, how, how vital this role is, searches for words. How do I get them to understand? Have you ever had something in your heart you wanted to communicate, but you just couldn't find the words to communicate it? That happens to me at least once a week as a preacher. God, how do I communicate what's in my heart? So Jesus probably is wrestling with how do I help this group of followers understand the significance that they now will carry? He gathers them to himself, not just his disciples, not just the 12, but everybody on that mountainside that day. As he, as he gathers them to himself and he looks at them and he finds the words to speak and he says this. These are the words he chooses. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of this world. The hope of mankind now rests with you. Does anybody else feel the weight of that? There's sometimes when I read through a passage of scripture, I'm like, oh, that's, that's heavy. Like, there, there's a burden. There's a, there's a responsibility that comes with those words that Jesus spoke to us. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. As the body of Christ, it's really important that we realize we are his plan. Scripture doesn't tell us anything about a B team doesn't say anything about a backup plan. The angels aren't like waiting to say like, okay, God, like all those humans blew it. Is it our turn now? Jesus isn't saying um, like, can I go back down for just a few more years and help them get things back on track? Like it, it's, uh, it's us. It's our responsibility. Now here's what's so great about that and overwhelming really to a large degree. God trusts us with that. He calls us to it. He trusts us with it. 
and he never leaves us alone with it, which is great. There's these words then that Jesus speaks about salt and light, and Paul echoes them later on in the book of Corinthians. Here's what Paul wrote, and I, I just want you to be able to picture this as well. He, he tries to tell a story of your relationship with God, and here's what he said. You were reconciled to God through Christ Jesus. In other words, Jesus stepped into your life. He helped connect you back to the Father. He said, now, now you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. So now, God is going to make his appeal to the rest of the world through you. It's that same that same weight. You are the hope of this world. As his body, as his representation in this world, God plans to make his appeal to the world through his church. Now, before you say like, yeah, that's South Suburban's job, no, he's talking about you as an individual. He's not talking about the organization of the church. He's, he's talking about you as a person. And I don't know if you've ever felt that responsibility, if you've ever felt the weight of that. It's a pretty significant one. Not one that should discourage us or one that should turn us away, but one that should help us wake up to the reality that there are millions of people in this world. Jesus is the only one who saves. But God plans to use you to reconcile them to himself means you play a role in people's eternity. Shoot, we just thought we played a role in their job right here or something, you know? We thought we, we played a role in helping them pick out a wardrobe. or we, like we, thought, we thought our role in people's lives was pretty insignificant. We're called to make, to, to play a role in their eternity. So this ministry of reconciliation now God has placed that mantle on us, his church. There's an author and evangelist that many of you may have heard of. His name is Charles Spurgeon, and he once wrote this. Listen, he said, if you ask me where is Christ on earth, I point you to his faithful church. As Christ was the world's hope, so now the church is the world's hope. I will tell you that the world's salvation is given instrumentally into your hands, as far as your power lies, you are to consider yourselves as the world's hope, and you're to act as such. Now, don't mince words here. He's not saying you're their salvation. Once again, only Jesus. If anybody tells you anything other than that, you walk away. Only Jesus. But Jesus plans to use you. To appeal to this world. That's the role of the church. It's the most significant role of the church. We're going to talk about this later on, but like it's important for us to realize we love the community that we experience here. You know what? That's secondary. It might even be thirdary. Is that a word? It's down the line somewhere, right? It's not the primary call of the church. We're the salt and we're the light. Now I want to take a look at this passage. It's found in Matthew chapter 5. You're going to see it in your bulletin notes today. You also see it on the screen here in just a minute. These are the actual words that Jesus spoke that day to all of his followers. Not, again, not just the disciples, but everybody on that hillside that said, 
This man has truth. This man I want to I follow. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, and it says this. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we're going to look at this just real quick today. And again, I'm going to try and make sure that I get all the sermon points in um, so you guys get the full sermon. We're going to look at three pieces, uh, three little points about salt, three little points about light, so that we can understand what it is, the words that Jesus was speaking that, today, uh, speaking that day. You are the salt of the earth has really become almost a metaphor in the English language today, but the way that we would understand it in our language was not necessarily the way that Jesus was speaking it that day. And I think that sometimes when we, <coughs> we don't understand fully a passage, we have a tendency, not necessarily a desire, we have a tendency to kind of gloss over some things and just not understand the weight of it, not understand the significance of it. Salt was extremely precious, and so Christ was actually paying the highest compliment to Christians when he said, you are the salt of the earth. In those days, what we would call ordinary table salt was a prized commodity. In fact, Roman soldiers were paid their wages in salt. It's where we get the word salary from today that we use. And it gave rise to such expressions you may have heard as someone being worth one salt. There's a lot of interpretations of what Jesus was actually referring to when he called them salt. Some would say that uh, he was referring to what we'd call sodium chloride or just table salt. Some would say, others, others would believe that the term was <coughs> referring to something completely different. And, and so regardless of your interpretation... I want to look at some application on both sides. Okay, so regardless of how you interpret it, there's some application that we can pull out of this, okay? The first one is this. It's undeniable that as a church, as his followers, we're called to bring the flavor of God. You know that salt enriches everything that it touches. And if you are a cook or you're a baker and you use salt, you know how it permeates everything. And you've probably, if you've confused tablespoons with teaspoons, you probably ruined something by putting too much salt in it. And it permeates everything. Like nothing we really know in this world, salt permeates. Did you know that's the call of the church? Did you know that's the call that Jesus has placed on your life? that you would bring the flavor of heaven, God's flavor, and he's called you to permeate the people around you. Listen, we fall, a lot of times we fall into the trap of trying to hide, of trying to not, we're like we want to fit in. We want to blend in rather than permeate. That's actually not the purpose of salt. 
were to have this pervasive influence in the world that we live in. And I would, I would ask you just to pause for a moment, reflect in your own life right now. How influential are you? And how are you using that influence in your life? Or are you in a season where you'd rather, you'd rather blend in? We'll come back to this in, in just a little bit. But God has called us to, to bring the flavor, to, to influence the people around us. That means that we have to be so consumed by God that we just give off his flavor everywhere that we go. The second is that the church is called to display the wisdom of God. It displays the wisdom of God. So there's this uh, more scholarly explanation for the way that Jesus used the term salt. The Greek word for salt was also used as a metaphor for wisdom. There's a number of supporting scripture verses that we can look at for this, and these are more of those heavy ones. Okay, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. It'll be on the screen here in just a second, and let me read this for you and, and, and recognize who he's talking to. He's talking to you. His intent, God's intent, was now through you, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God wants to display his wisdom through you. So if the only time you've ever been called wise is if your dad called you a wise guy, listen, you're going to have to reconcile yourself with some things in Scripture. God wants to display his wisdom through you. And again, sometimes we feel like we've disqualified ourselves, like, I'm not very wise. Here's what I love about Scripture. Here's what James tells us. If you lack wisdom, ask for it. It's not a formula. Ask for it. If you lack wisdom, ask for it. And God will give it to you generously. In other words, he would love to deposit his wisdom in your life. You don't have to have a, a degree for that. You don't have to have like 30 years of experience for that. You ask for it. And God said he would love to pour out wisdom in your life. I promise you this, this next piece is going to be something that um, people around you already know. <coughs> okay? If you have wisdom, there's a difference between having wisdom and using wisdom. People around you know if you use wisdom or not in your decisions. And so seek God's wisdom. Ask him for wisdom and then use it. <laughs> Make wise decisions. There's a wonderful resource called the Word of God that you can turn to on a regular basis when it comes to making decisions. You have access to all this godly wisdom. Now use it. Get wisdom. Use wisdom. Be the salt. The third is that the church is to promote the nourishment of others. It promotes the nourishment of others. When you look a little bit deeper into this word salt, the word salt is actually a chemical term for any number of compounds. Now, we most commonly use the word salt for sodium chloride. It's table salt. That's a compound, sodium chloride. All right? It's a compound. But that's not confined to table salt. It's not confined to that. We also use it for um, bath salts. 
We also use it for Epsom salt. We also use it for nitrate salts. They're compounds. The Greeks use the word salt for these nitrate salts as well. So to take it into modern language, it's what we would call fertilizer. Nitrate salts are compounds that we use for fertilizer. And if you understand salt as a fertilizer, then the meaning of this kind of idiom is understood. Fertilizer is a substance that promotes growth. Our call as a church, our call as individuals, is that anyone that we come into contact with, that we would be promoting nourishment, we would be promoting spiritual growth in the lives of those individuals. We as the church are called to promote growth, nourishment, or salt in this world. That's one of the biggest roles of parents. It's one of the biggest roles of churches is that we would help those grow around us and are under our care, under our influence. And so all three of these, <clears throat> all three of these interpretations, as we look at those, <clears throat> excuse me, bring the flavor of God, display the wisdom of God, and promote the nourishment of others, they all have these applicable qualities in our life. And Jesus is looking to us for it. Like, like he, <clears throat> he's, we're his plan, right? We're his plan. It means we have to be in contact with people. It means you can't hide in a building. It means you can't hide in your, in your house. It means you can't um, try and blend in and not be noticed. It means that God actually wants to call you to stand out. He wants you to nourish people. He wants you to bring flavor. He, he wants all those things. It involves being very intentional in your life. And it involves being focused on advancing his kingdom. All three of those do. Now, let's look at light. Okay, there's three parts on light as well. And we're going to pick it up at verse 14. Again, it's in your bulletin and you'll see it on the screen. Verse 14, Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So let's look at these three applications now. We did three applications with salt. Now we're going to look at three applications with light. The first one is that the church is called to reflect his light. I want you to notice something. Jesus calls us the same thing that he calls himself, right? So in this passage that we just read, Jesus said, you're the light of the world, but you'll read other places in the gospel, like John chapter 8, where Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Well, which is it? Well, here, here's the key to this, okay? We have to recognize where the source is. Jesus is the source of light. And when we invite that light inside of us. When we say, Jesus, I want to follow you, and I invite you to become the center of my life, his light comes inside of us, and we become the light of the world. We're not the source, but we're the container. You also might view it this way. There's another passage in Ephesians that says, Christ will shine on you, <laughs> right? We are we're supposed to contain his light and let it permeate us and shine everywhere. We're also called to reflect his light. The same way, if you'd picture this, the same way that the moon puts off no light of its own. It simply reflects 
the light of the sun. Scripture tells us that Christ shines on us, his light. We're called to reflect it to the world around us. When we grab a hold of that, then we understand the last sentence in this passage when Jesus said, so that others may see your good deeds, but they recognize it as a reflection. Think about this. When you see a reflection, what does it cause you to do? It causes you to look for the source. If you look into a beautiful mountain stream and you see the reflection of a mountain in the water, you go, and it draws you up. Listen, we're called to reflect the glory and the light of Jesus so that when they see your good works, what happens? Who do they give glory to? Father in heaven, because you're a reflection of his light. And it causes them to look up. Listen, that's the call that Jesus has on his church. Reflect my glory, reflect my beauty, reflect my love to the world around. So when they see you, when they see your good works, they see it as a reflection of who I am, and I get the glory from it. That's what Jesus was talking about when he called us to reflect that light. The second is this, that the church is called to dispel the darkness. The church dispels the darkness. A while back, I heard a pastor say, um, the purpose of light is not complicated. It is simply and completely to dispel the darkness. The purpose of light is to dispel darkness. I remember growing up on a farm in Kansas. So I'm a little boy on a Kansas farm. My dad would come home from work every day, and he would go straight down to the barn, and he would feed the cattle, and he'd turn on the water in the water trough. He'd come back up to the house. We would sit down. We'd have a nice family meal together, get ready for bed, and my dad would say, Patrick, I need you to go shut off the water at the barn. Now, the barn was not next door to our house. It was about 600 yards away. And I'm a little boy, and one of the biggest fears of kids, darkness. Every night, my dad would ask me to do this, and I was so scared. But what I did is I grabbed the flashlight, and I hit the door running as fast as I could. Because if I can get there and back, the faster it is, the less I'm going to feel that fear. But that flashlight was my best friend in that moment, right? And I just focused on that little beam of light. I just focused on it. And I ran as fast as I could. But even as a young boy, and I think, I think people get this. I don't know if they always find ways to articulate it, but I think they get this. I knew that light dispelled darkness. That's why I carried the biggest flashlight that I could find. And as soon as I turned the flashlight on, no matter how thick the darkness was, it would leave. And everywhere that I shined the light, I could see. And that flashlight, guys, it was a comfort to me. Because it, it pushed back the darkness. Our very presence as a church in this world, our very presence as a Christ follower in this world, should bring comfort to people that we are pushing back the darkness in our world, in this community. Jesus said we're like a light, like a city that's situated on a hill that can't be hidden. 
And so for people, we may be their only opportunity to really see his goodness, to see his love, to hear his truth. It's something that may, they may be longing for, but they weren't able to see it because they have been living in darkness. So Jesus called us to, first of all, you can't hide the light. Secondly, don't limit the light. Put it on a light stand. The purpose of a light stand is actually to magnify the light. We don't, don't misunderstand. We don't make Jesus more magnificent, but we magnify his light by allowing it to shine through in our own life. But the purpose of light is to take it into darkness. And so here's where I'm going to circle back on this. We have to make sure as a church that we don't fall into the temptation of just getting together on Sundays and having little flashlight parties right here where we just get together and we compare each other's flashlights. Oh, how long have you been serving Jesus? 12 years. I've been serving him for 25. Look how big my flashlight is. I'm involved in ministry. I'm doing mission stuff. Look how strong my light is. And we get together every single week and we bring our flashlights and we just have flashlight battery, uh, parties. The purpose of a light is to bring it into darkness. Like we can't forget that as a church. The purpose, the reason Jesus has transformed your life and his light now is inside of you to shine into the darkness of this world so somebody else can see the light as well, so that the seats beside you aren't empty. It's not for us to come together for flashlight parties. It's for us to take it into this world. Shine your light into the darkness. There's a story told of a little girl in New York City who was shivering, walking down the streets, and she saw the lights of a church on, and she heard the music playing, and so she, she went into the, to the church and sat down and warmed up, and, and she listened to the pastor who spoke that day on the passage that I am the light of the world. And at the end of the service, she went up to the pastor and she said, did you say that you're the light of the world? And he said, well, Christ is the light. He's the source, but I'm, I'm reflecting his light. And she said, well, pastor, I sure wish that you'd come down to my neighborhood because we have a lot of darkness. Guys, we can't, we can't neglect a world around us that is hurting, and they may not call it darkness, but the purpose of a church is not to come inside these walls on Sundays. It's to live outside of these walls every day. God's called you to be the light of the world, and no matter how enjoyable it is to to hang out and to fellowship, it's wonderful. It's not the primary role of the church. It's to dispel darkness. Let's talk about the third distinction here of the church and light, and that is this. It's to reveal truth. One obvious thing that you'll notice about light is that things are much easier to see in the light, aren't they? That's why when we walk into a room, we flip the switch on. It's because everything around light gets illuminated. 
Light reveals the world to us, and God's light reveals truth to us. In fact, the book of Psalms tells us that God's word gives light to our eyes. It gives light to our path. It gives us understanding in life. God's word does. So you get the word of God in your heart, and you let the word of God shine. And I want to I be really strong in the statement. And you've heard it from me before. But I, I don't want, guys, this is my final time to speak to you. I don't want you to walk away saying like, um, now what did he mean? Listen to me, there is a movement in the culture today to withhold God's word. You withhold God's word, you withhold his light. God has called you to be a light. He's called you to reveal truth. You do it with absolute love. You do it with absolute grace. But when you hide his word, you are hiding that light, which goes against everything that Jesus is speaking here. Don't. Don't go into that, guys. Don't withhold God's word. Don't withhold his truth from people around you. Love is a beautiful combination of grace and truth. If you're going to love people well, you're not going to withhold either of those. God's called you to be a light. And we got to understand this. There is no other light in the world except Jesus. It's Jesus or it's darkness. And again, the world isn't going to communicate it that way to you. But we know the true light, Scripture tells us, the true light is Jesus and Jesus gives us the charge to bring that light into the world now. And so there's got to be something, Scripture says, there's got to be something distinct about us. In fact, they use the word peculiar. And I know that a lot of you are probably looking at the person beside you and thinking they're peculiar. You're supposed to be different. You're not supposed to blend in. It doesn't mean you need to be weird, okay? But you're not supposed to blend in. In your life, I would pray this. I would pray that people, when they think of you, they say, he's different. She's different. And they may not even be able to put words on it, but they are able to say there's something different about them. The Bible calls us to live that kind of life. That means that we can't live and think like everyone else. If we want to be passionate Christ followers, we have to show his grace. We have to share his truth. We have to exercise forgiveness. That's the call of the church for the world around us. It means we represent Christ in the best possible way. We're not different just to be different. We're supposed to be like Jesus to the world around us. And that's going to stand out. And so God's plan is to use you. It's to use this church. Not for flashlight parties, though those are fun. But to represent the life-changing power of his love to the world that we live in. And let me put some faces on it for you. We're called to be salt and light to these people. Your coworker, who maybe claims to be an atheist, 
or your neighbor who used to serve God but had an ugly divorce and now she turned her back on God. Maybe your uncle who never had anybody take time to explain the love of God to him. Maybe it's a friend who isn't sure that she wants to give her life to a God who allowed her mom to die of cancer. Maybe it's a brother who keeps acting like he has it all together, but you know that he's barely holding on. Maybe it's a niece who would rather spend her days living for herself. Maybe it's a boss who acts like he has no cares in the world. Maybe it's a father who hates God now because he lost his job, lost his house, and lost his family. Guys, these aren't extreme examples. These are people who live across the street from you. People who live across the street from this church. We're called to be salt and light to them. That we would influence their lives, that we would would bring the flavor of God's kingdom, that we would share his love, we'd share his truth, that we would dispel the darkness, and that we would reflect his glory. That's the call of the church. We're on different paths, but we have that in common, don't we? If you're here today and you have heard me talk about the light of Christ and you've heard me talk about what it is to to have Jesus live inside of you, but you've never actually made that choice or that decision, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now before we close. It's a very simple deal. It's not magical words, but it's a prayer. It's really something that happens in your heart where you just say, God, I'm tired of living in darkness and I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. And I know what that's produced in my life right now. And up to this point, it hasn't been anything that's brought joy or peace or fulfillment to me. And so I'm ready, I'm ready to place you at the center of my life now. If that's you, I just, I, honestly, I want to give you that opportunity right now. If you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes, this is just a holy moment between you and God right now. And again, if that's you, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. You can say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you took all of my darkness, all of my sin to the cross. I ask that you would forgive me for my mistakes, forgive me for my sins, that you would come into my life, you would be the center of who I am and everything that I do. And I ask that you would bring your light into my life. Now help me to walk in it from this day forward. It's in your name I pray. Amen.